With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Asylum. Now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Welcome back into the Asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs right here on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. And we are done with Old Folks Month. We have uh, none of the old codgers coming in to talk to us, Rick. Uh, the old folk around here now is you. <laughs> that's it, man. Speaking of old folk, there you go, Dave. That's for you. Everybody let us know what they think of the new opener. If you don't think this is a full-service Redidio show, there you go. You give me one little shout-out on Twitter, and I'll create a whole new opener just for you. Did you follow any of our uh... – Little Twitter feeds over the last week or so. Ever since, uh, I'll give you a little hint, ever since you put our pictures on our avatar. Well, <laughs> I have, but that's not why we're losing followers. I went on a drunken unfollowing binge myself a little while ago, and I must have got some people who weren't spam bots. Oh, so that's what happened. I got gotcha. you. That's on me. If anything, I'm going to draw followers with this with this gritted face. So at Asylum Football on Twitter, if you want to know what we look like, here's a hint. I'm the one who doesn't look like the Crypt Keeper. That's me. <laughs> yeah. and Briggs is. He's the well. one that looks like. The the Frankenstein monster. No, I, I look or Frankenstein pretty. I look pretty monster. in that picture. That's a good picture. Of yeah, me. really. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Speaking. Okay, that is like my most horrible picture, and that's a good picture of you. So I think we'll leave it at that. Speaking. You know what? We're going to get to that the next show. But you and I need to have a discussion about Twitter because you're busted, pal. That's all I'm going to say. You are busted. Uh, we can talk about it now. Uh, What's the difference between this show or the next show? Because I left, I haven't forgot to look it up on my phone before the show started. So listen in Thursday. Rick Briggs is busted. So listen, listen I have in to for pull that. this up. I have no idea listen what you're that. babbling yet. All right, about. well, give me. I'll tell you what. I'll find it, Rick. Let's start out with some headlines, though. How about this deal with Ezekiel Elliott? We, I feel like we've <laughs> talked about this every single week. Now, his accuser put out a statement over the weekend or at the end of last week, saying that he abused her five times and six-day period and now all of a sudden in jerry jones comes out and says there's nothing in these these reports that show any signs of abuse i i don't know what to make of this 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 thing was a year old i believe on sunday rick if i'm right. not mistaken a year old this investigation is i don't know what to make of it but i'm starting to get the feeling rick with this statement coming out whether he did it or not there's gonna have to be a suspension coming the nfl almost has to at this point and I was listening to um, some other radio show, and I believe the the reporter that was being interviewed was from out in Dallas. I believe his name was, I think, Chris Arnold. Uh, if I got it wrong, I apologize. But he was actually saying there's people out there that went to college with Elliot, and, and you know now they're being talked to, and they're coming out. Oh yeah, this guy is a case of dynamite, ready to go off. Well, I've heard that from a lot time. of people. And, you know, and it's like, good lord. I mean, you know, and 
they're they are concerned because he's still living this rock style rock star lifestyle i mean he's got the bodyguards with him he's still going out and so forth he's not laying low yeah albeit he's hasn't you know he's not in trouble that i know of he's keeping out of it somehow right but you know he's not shying away from the nightlife let's put it that way well do any and, of these kids though really um, that i don't, I don't worry that i about. don't know and i said last week that deal with the bar and it appears that's gone away the, the number depending on who you listen to whatever he did was justified number one and number two there was no no witnesses nobody will testify on it so that's gone but i said last week i don't concern myself too much with these bar fights necessarily i just if the guy's a bit of a hothead, which probably a fair amount of guys in the NFL are, it, it's day. a violent yeah. game. You know, I think it attracts a certain certain sure. type of person in a lot, not all cases, but in a lot of cases. But you factor that in, you go out and have some beers, and everybody's testing you. Everybody loves you or hates you. I, I think those things happen. But these abuse allegations, because I'm torn. I don't know what to think. She comes out with this statement, plus all the evidence surrounding it, what we're hearing about who Ezekiel Elliott is now, makes you think it's probably true and something probably happened. But why a year later, if this thing was so cut and dry, why a year later has nothing been resolved? And for a guy like Jerry Jones, who we're going to see next week, Rick, I don't know if it's appropriate to ask him this. I think <laughs> we should, though. I honestly think we should. Something would tell He's media savvy enough that he's real confident that whatever's been provided to him anyhow, there's nothing out there. I don't absolutely don't know what to make of this, but there's, there's so much fire. This thing's so hot in the stance the NFL has taken with these issues, and rightly so for the most. I, I don't know. He's got to be suspended, but I don't know. Yeah, that's under- going to be um, a real test there because, you know, we've been to, what, about four or five of these Hall of Fame media days, and, you know, basically to the guy, you know, we try, you know, and everyone tries to keep it about the inductee. Yeah, yeah, you try you to know. keep it light out there. Exactly. An owner might be different, though. An owner, I feel like, might be different. Very possible. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, we'll sh- we'll see. We just may, uh, we may break the ice. Who knows? I I got a feeling we may not break the <laughs> ice. We may be the ninth person. To it ask might be. That, that's very possible. But we are going to be uh, continuing our coverage of uh, the NFL division. So we're going to go through the AFC East and uh, hopefully the AFC South on this show. Yeah, I'm going to have to bust you Thursday. Rick. I don't I can't think find so. It. I'm too distracted. I've, I've done nothing. No, you're busted. Pal. I've done nothing. You're busted. In in what does I mean? In reference to what? All right, I think I won't have the exact. Okay, paraphrase whatever you're going to accuse me of. But there was a poll somebody put out, and if you recall last week, Mr. You're Briggs right, had I a, did, had a and wee, I did it on purpose. Oh, now you're doing it ironically like one no. of the hipster douchebags. Is that what you're no. telling me? Uh-uh. After your hissy fit that you posted a poll and you got bombarded with ads of people telling you everything that should have been in your poll, you did the yep. exact same thing to somebody else, Rick. I did. I you're right. It was, was it musicians? No, I think, it was the greatest living actor. That's what it was. And That's I can't it. remember the four, but it was like Bruce Willis. Uh, I don't know, maybe Hugh Jackman. Uh, I don't know, maybe a Whatever, couple, maybe. couple others. I don't know who the other ones were. And I wrote, and I voted. I mean, I voted, <laughs> of course. And um, but then I just put the when I tweeted, I 
you know, put the little filled in the retweet or whatever it was, actually Clint Eastwood is still alive. And you got – they clapped back on you a little bit too. I like that. Sort of mocking the fact that you would put Clint Eastwood up there. But you're busted, pal. Well, the, it said greatest living. The very thing you complained about, and you had a 10-minute hissy fit on these very airwaves in the and Arena deservedly Sports so. You're busted. Good. Busted, busted, busted. Now we're going to break the the, the – the lightness of the mood are because you, I know trying this to weasel is, out of this. No, I'm busted. I said I, I admit, I freely admit, no big deal. But this, no this is probably it. going to bring your spirits down. All right. So I'm kind of glad that you know you got through your little happy gaiety of busting me here because this is going to be this is going to be really hard on you. All right. Let as me, sensitive as you are. Let me brace myself. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good one. He can't well, even read it. Well, it's just they find another body no. somewhere. Well, for yes, oh, they okay. Do. Uh, the only, <laughs> only people, the only mummified remains give Rick Briggs this much glee. That's all it is. That's all it is. Well, no, it wasn't mummified remains. But anyway, the world's oldest captive manatee died in a tragic accident just one day after his 69th birthday party. The South Florida Museum announced Sunday. An investigation has been launched into the death <laughs> the, the death Here of, we go. of Snooty. Snooty. <laughs> Who was listed in the Guinness World Records uh, 2017th edition as the world's oldest manatee in captivity. Like that's a world record, okay? Well, and they need to launch. So if he's the world's oldest, the, they need to launch an investigation as to how it. The South died. Florida Museum is deeply saddened to share the news that our beloved Snooty. Isn't that your buddy that used <laughs> to call not, into the show? No, that's Weird Harold. Wasn't there another one? Or what did no, he call he, you? He did he call you Snuffy? Snuffy, Snuffy, Snooty. That's why that's uh, Snooty's death bite. was a heartbreaking accident. And the circumstances are being investigated so we can be sure we know the full details of what happened. Now, we'll, we'll skip some of this, and it gets down into what happened to poor okay. Snooty. poor old Snooty. Because I know, I mean, you're getting sad already. I'm, I'm all busted up I about know. it. Who knew a whale? Is that, was that what a whale, a manatee no, it's a is? a manatee. A whale? No. What's, a, what's a manatee? It's just you like know, a fish? They look like a big, almost like a big um walrus like thing without tusks. Oh, those big, big nose like yeah the manatees okay now a little background on snooty he's 69 years old he weighed 1300 pounds that could have contributed well no shape up but there's a there was um according to the museum staff staff snooty was found in an underwater area only used to access plumbing for the exhibit life support system Okay. Um, it's it's basically a big hallway that the little manatees they can swim down there and turn around and come out. Well, apparently Snooty <laughs> went down. <laughs> he got stuck. See, that's what I told you. Being thirteen hundred pounds contributed to. It. You know how many of these overly sensitive animal lovers are furious with you right now, Rick. I don't know how to gracefully backpedal out of this for you. Rick doesn't have his own Twitter, so go ahead at Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfootball at well, gmail.com for your trying, I, I'm trying to get through it without crying. And <laughs> I do not cry. You're cracking up that this <laughs> fat crying. manatee got stuck in a tube and drowned. It's 69 years old. <laughs> There's no. 
nice way to put that, I guess. I don't know why this strikes you as so funny. There's some, there's some just animal lovers out there furious with you. Well, poor furious. old Snooty. I, I mean, don't think you believe that, Rick. What? I think you're happy this happened. No, I'm not. <laughs> you're cracking up over it. The, the, this show has completely gone off the rails. Why don't we bring it back to sports here, if we could, Rick? Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, report. I don't know. How, I don't know how to transition out of that, Rick. So forget about Mike Williams. He might have. We can transition but, to the Dolphins. <laughs> well, we are doing the AFC East tonight. But before we do that, Rick, the Open Championship, the British. Oh Open. my! What a Sunday, number one. Jordan Spieth has ice, and I mean, I'm you know that's that's the oldest cliche in the book. But I tell you what, 23 years old, that kid is rock solid, and he doesn't rattle. I mean, as bad as he started, as right. bad as he was putting, missing three-footers at the, on, on the front nine, just a complete and utter disaster. Then that just mess at number 13, that complete and utter yeah. blow-up. And I want to ask you about that. But to come back after that, go birdie-eagle, birdie-birdie par. <laughs> that is the most insane run to finish up a major championship that I can remember. I'm sure there's been better that, that, that I, I can I don't know. Remember. It was one of the best. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you can go back to the 86 Masters, but, I mean, that's about the, the only nine holes I can really yeah. think of. You know, maybe Johnny Miller 63 at Oakmont, but, you know, that was incredible. And Matt Kuchar played well. Yeah, he did everything he had to do. Yeah, I mean, he didn't solid do enough golf. To, to make a move. Right. But if Spieth comes back to him, and it looks like Spieth was going to do just that. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, how do you bounce back from what happened on the 13th to go birdie, eagle, birdie, birdie? I don't know how you do it. The guy is unflappable right now. Yeah. I mean, there's just no question about it. And. I mean, he's got three major championships. He's not even 24 years old yet. Um, he, I think he wins seven, eight, nine. I mean, sky's the limit. For it's hard kid. to say with a swing like his. <clears throat> you know, if he maintains the focus, right. you know, in a well balanced life that he seems to have right now. I mean, I, it, it's hard to say. It, it really is. Well, because I noticed it all comes down to his putter. If he's putting, you can't beat him. Because well, he's not good off the tee, so he's good at recovery. He reminds me, I don't want to compare him to Tiger, but he reminds me of Tiger in that way, that he gets himself in trouble off the tee and always puts himself back in position. Like oh, yeah, the there's always hole. every era that Seve Ballesteros before Tiger. you know. Yeah, but and, he'll get on these yeah. rolls where then he's 15-footers are routine for him and he's rolling in 25-footers with semi-regularity. You can't beat this kid if he's doing that. Nope. Anybody has a hot putter is very difficult well, to true. beat. But like you said, it's it's hard to maintain a hot putter when you're hacking around. I mean, oh, let's, and let's face it, he was hacking around. Oh, uh, he he chewed Roy, the front nine of Royal right. Burkdale up. There, there isn't much left of it after what he did. The way he chunked that thing up on the oh, front nine, it, no doubt about it. So, as the resident golf guy, Rick, explain number thirteen to me. Endlessly fascinating. Here's why I can't understand it because I'm such a hacker. If I'd have hit that ball over there, I wouldn't even have walked over. Okay, we'll explain it. it so everyone knows what you're talking about. Well, he sprayed his drive way. <laughs> off to the right up on this freaking mountain right. top somehow they found the ball determined it was unplayable 
45 minutes later, messing around with TV trucks and everything. I think it was actually 25 yeah, minutes I think it was about something. 20 minutes, yeah. Uh, found a good <clears throat> lie, made an impossible shot short of the bunker, chipped it up within six feet and hit it and saved a bogey on what was literally a 25-minute, 30-minute yeah. hole for him. What I'm curious about when you look at that, isn't there some sort of time limit? How did he get afforded that amount of time, number one? Well, number one, I think a lot of the time was being taken up, basically contemplating with the officials. And, and that, what was the discussion? I heard well, them talking. What was the discussion? I'm not. I couldn't really. Actually, I was when all that was going on. My wife had me doing something. And I'm bopping in and out. Mm-hmm. But you know, when they're in discussion, and well, okay, you can do this if we move this or whatever. And that takes time. And you know, it's not like I think you have six minutes or something like that to find a lost ball or okay. to look for a golf ball. And they, they found they it. found they it. found it right <clears throat> away. This was all through the you know through the officials and in contemplating options. Okay, so here's what I want you to. So he got up there and he looked at it. It felt like it took forever and decided he was going to take an unplayable. So you can just determine what. How do you determine it's unplayable? Does the rules official have to sign off on that, or he can just say, I'm willing to take the penalty and go drop? So then the next – I think I get that. So what I don't understand was then there's the direct line you take when you're dropping the ball, right, if you don't go back to the tee. So then wherever that direct line was, that's where the TV trucks come into play, and then he had to get – they kept calling it line of sight relief. (laughs) What the hell is that? Well, your line of sight can't be blocked by – um, something that's not there naturally. Okay. Okay. I mean, you, obviously, yeah, your sight can be blocked by a tree. Right. But it can't be blocked by a truck. Okay. Okay, because the man put it there. So then the discussion yeah. was where he could set the ball to be within the rules and have a line of sight to the pin. Is was it simple as that? And that's what they couldn't determine. That's what pretty they much agree because on. you have to take you have to take flight the line of flight of the shot. Right. You know, for for part of your relief, and now you've determined a certain line and point now you have to determine line of sight you can't improve yourself closer to you can't improve yourself on the hole right okay so and you can't get closer to the hole obviously yeah so and then you're in all this scrub you know i mean because if you're off the fairway you're basically in scrub yeah, over yeah. it over a, in britain they're hay fields is all they are <clears throat> yeah. is what their rough is tall fescue is basically it so i mean yeah and, and a lot and that was that was one of the longest shots that I've seen in a long time, yeah. I mean, you know, to... I can't remember anything like that. And then to come back and save bogey on it, and probably the best bogey I've ever seen, and then what he did afterwards. You just got to wonder. It's not like Kuchar was rolling. I'm actually impressed he played as well as he did after that. They showed him at one point. He just put his golf towel down on the ground, and he's just having a picnic out there. He's just hanging out. I'd, that's got to be bad for him, too, well, to yeah, throw the it, guy off the rhythm. And to his credit and also you know, Jordan Spieth's credit for thanking him during the ceremony, yeah. like you know, he probably could have protested or said something, like yeah. let's get this thing yeah, rolling, get, get whatever. Here, jerk. Yeah. But, um, you know, he didn't, and, you know, the rest is history as far as that goes. I mean, it was just – he doesn't save bogey. He probably doesn't go in that birdie probably eagle run not. either. Yeah, if he triples like he should have. Right. Yeah, then now he's down two strokes or yeah. three strokes. Two you know, strokes a, bo- a bogey's <clears throat> relative. 
You oh, know, yeah, you know that's what I'm a good boat. I mean, that's as good as a birdie. Oh, you easily, know, in, in where he was, what it should have been. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I've, I'd never seen anything like it. I, I watched. Not, not a ton of golf, but enough golf. I was just surprised that they allow it to go on that long, that there wasn't just a, I don't know, in my hacker world, to just pick it up and put it over there and hit the damn thing. You know, well, I mean, unfortunately, I you don't it's do that. It's the 13th hole on a Sunday at a major. I understand that, but come on. You know, there's got to be somewhere, you know, like at your muni, have a drop area. All right, dummy, if you spray it up here, take your stroke and drop it here, and we won't put a truck between there and the green. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, but um, it's England. Everything's stupid. Well, you know, it's not the British Open either. And I mean, it was the British Open, not your hack weekend. <laughs> you just don't pick it up and kick it out in the fairway, like. Well, did you Ted see Knight that the and, hill? It was. I wouldn't have walked up to get it. That sucker would have stayed there, and I'd have just dropped. Well, let's it face it, you over. couldn't have hit it there in three anyway. Well, that's true. Okay, too. That's <laughs> a, that, that was two drivers and a three wood for me to get where he got it. And I'm, I don't. I'm pretty sure I'm not exaggerating on that. All right, let's move on after your meltdown about manatees and golf and busting you. We probably ought to talk some fantasy football. I know we make people upset when we spend the first half of the show with nonsense. But you know why? But maybe because they just don't get it. Well, they don't get it. No. They don't get it. They want you to read And if you're upset, oh, well. Yeah. What can we do? You'll get over it. AFC East? Let's do it. All right. Start with your defending Super Bowl champion, Drake, the team that will go 16-0 and this year, the New England Patriots. I'll tell you what, from a fantasy standpoint, there is not – I struggle with this one, Rick. There is not a lot of discussion to be had here. We could talk about Brandon Cooks, but I feel like we've spent four episodes this summer already talking about Cooks. If you want to go down that road, great. So here's all I jotted down. We, we know who Gronk is. You know, we know what Dwayne Allen's role will be if Gronk is healthy. We know who Edelman is. You know who Tom Brady is. The real question becomes, you know, break down this running back situation. Is Gillisley the new blunt? James White and his 60 receptions, you know, in the amazing postseason, does that translate into this year? Do, do Deion Lewis and Burkhead, do they factor into this? straighten out this running back situation is the only dis- fantasy-relevant discussion I can come up with here. And the, the whole problem with it is you can't, really. Uh, let's face it, he was the first running back that got over 1,000 yards. I'm talking about Blunt. was the first 1,000-yard runner since um, 2012 when Stephen Ridley did it. Okay. I'm actually surprised Stephen <clears throat> Ridley did it. That comes as news to me. Yes, I, I am. And that was a 1,263-yard season with 12 touchdowns. Before that, it was Corey Dillon, eight years before that. Now, that I remember, yeah. That's okay, I mean, here's a, here's a list of New England 1,000-yard rushers. Corey Dillon, Curtis Martin, Jim Nance, Stephen Ridley, Craig James, Jim Nance again, John Stevens. How's that name for you? 1988, a guy named John Stevens. Never I don't even remember. <laughs> I never heard of Mr. Stevens. Um, LeGarrette Blunt, Curtis Martin again, Antoine Smith. I mean, there's just – and they're few and far between. So we may have had a, an 18-touchdown season with over 1,000 yards. We may have a 700-yard season this year. Probably. Is Gillisy the new Blunt? No, I don't think so. No, he's not scoring 18. <clears throat> now, if he can score 14 or 15 – even 12, probably in this day and age, that's maybe even a low end two, certainly a, a oh, flex, a high three. Yeah, if he does. I mean, but he's such a question mark 
because you just don't know. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt failed everywhere except New England. Right. Other guys succeed elsewhere, go to New England, and bomb. Yeah, and actually, Blunt's pass tells us he'll be back there sometime in November, right? And he'll score nine touchdowns between November and when they go on their playoff run because that's what he did last time. He had a hissy fit in Pittsburgh, walked out of the stadium mid-game, and headed straight to Boston. And, you know, that's the – most fantasy relevant subject in New England. I mean, Brady's going to be Brady. Right. Last year there were eight players. Yeah, in uh, double digit receptions. Yeah, and it's going to happen a again. lot. And you saw Chris Hogan. Yeah, where <clears throat> Cooks is interesting. Not to get down that road again. Where I'm, I'm not going to own any Cooks shares because I'm not willing to pay the price that he's going unless this thing levels out as as we go into August. Where he is interesting is his ability to take a two-yard slant and take it to the house from anywhere on the field. Problem is, you got a guy named Julian Edelman for that. You got a guy named Gronk, quite frankly, on those wheel routes doing similar things. It's just I never like the argument not enough miles to feed because in the end, not you know, too many miles to feed. I'm sorry. In today's NFL, where they're flinging it around 55 times a game, there's plenty to go around. <clears throat> Excuse me. This may be the one case where there just isn't enough to justify the type of price you're going to have to pay for Brandon Cooks versus the guys that are being taken around and after him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. New England is New England. I don't know. We know they're going to be a very potent offense. My biggest question is, is going to be the next blunt or is he just another cog? I think he's just another piece of the puzzle. That's my feeling. And and the reason I'm – keep harping on this is because I think Gillespie is going to be overdrafted by the majority of fantasy owners. He's going 24 right now. Seems a little high to me. It seems it seems high to me. Could be wrong. He could I just you just don't go from a thousand yard back to another thousand yard back in New England. It just doesn't work not, that way. Not generally. And You've had three thousand <laughs> yard rushers in the last twelve years. Right. Period. And you have to wonder if there now I think there's a lot of rumblings coming out, at least speculation, that if Deion Lewis gets healthy, he might get cut. If that doesn't happen, if you got Deion Lewis around, again, for whatever reason, people love this kid. I like the kid. He's a pick guy. But they love this kid in fantasy football for that two- or three-game stretch he had two seasons ago. But I think they're going to get him involved. Again, taking carries away from Gillisley, taking carries away from White and anybody else who's going to run the ball. It's just it's going to be a true commitment. Here's what we've got to stop doing. We've got to stop sitting around trying to predict when the Patriots will stop being the Patriots. As long as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are there, it's not going to stop. There's never going to be a true number one running back emerge from there. It's just not going to happen. Now, LeGarrette Blunt ended up being a number one running back by virtue of those 18 touchdowns. Could that happen? again with one of these guys possibly but good luck predicting it right did we really see LeGarrette Blunt doing that I think we we had discussions last summer this guy is worth owning as a low two a high three because of his potential touchdown number now he far exceeded that made himself a number one running back right. but you can't I don't think you can go into a draft predicting that for a guy not named LeGarrette Blunt there was something special there with the way they ran it I don't think Mike Gillisley's that guy I agree 100 <clears> percent <throat> 
All right, let's move on to, I don't know, pick a team. Let's Buffalo. Go, let's, all right, let's go to Buffalo. Let's go to let's Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. You know, there's there's questions in Buffalo, and I alluded to it um, last week. It's not so much on their offense. They scored as many points as the Pittsburgh Steelers offense did last year. That's stunning to me. And, you know, just I think they were one point shy of 400 points for the year. But Gillisey's gone, and he takes, what, 600 yards rushing thereabouts with him. Right. Um, they still have Shady, but, you know, that start, you start wondering, okay, I've got a guy in Gillisey that had 500-some yards given Shady Breathers, who had, what, a 1,200-yard season right. last year. Does that take a toll on McCoy? Does it enhance McCoy? Does it make Jonathan Williams more valuable than just a handcuff to McCoy? Well, that's the thing. That That's a good question. I'm going to – I tend to agree with one of the reporters, and I'm not even going to name who it is. I think Sammy Watkins is very overrated, and I – I just don't think he's the dynamic playmaker in the, in this offense. He's good receiver, don't get me wrong, but his health issues with the with his foot concern me, and I've yet to see any breakout season from him. And I'm not sure Tyrod Taylor is going to be the guy that is that passer that's going to throw for 4,500 yards where Sammy Watkins is going to be the, re- the receiver. No. You know, no. that catches a ton of balls. Yeah. I, I think it's a solid unit. I don't know how – I'm really not sure how to take it fantasy-wise, how high to go. I'm pretty high on McCoy. Yeah, he, he's a first round. Yeah. You can debate but, three or four guys yeah. around him, Ajayi, Freeman, whatever. Or, we're not going to yeah. have that discussion. That's no. stupid. Pick who you like and go. Exactly, but – Fantasy-wise, the rest of that unit is really questionable to me. Right. I like the the team. We're talking purely football. I think they're going to challenge at least for second place in that division right. against Miami. Yeah, I think it's them and Miami battling, battling it out behind them. He, so, here's the thing. Tyrod Taylor is interesting to me, and I, I almost equate him to a Blake Bortles. If you turn on a Bills game and you watch it, you wonder how this guy's a pro quarterback. And then at the end of the game, if you just look at that last number on the far right, the fantasy points scored, it's always a pretty fair number, right? This is a guy I would love to have as my QB, too. Maybe you find the right matchup here and there, if there or there's weather, or you got a bye week, or you need a three- or four-week injury replacement. I'd love to have Tyrod Taylor, and I think that's his role, and I don't think anybody would tell you otherwise, right? Because unless you're making the argument that he's a number one, there's really no need to discuss him further than that. Right. What become what is so intriguing and confounding to me is Sammy Watkins. Kid's got all the tools, right? We we know he does, and he had a. I'm going to throw out last year. Now I'm worried about that foot injury. You know me, I obsess. I've given that Antonio Gates speech 800 yeah. times. I obsess about foot injuries. I can't. So that does worry me. <clears throat> but for the purpose of let this discussion, let's throw that out. If you go back in uh, 2015. He had 60 grabs, so not, nothing real exciting. 2014 had 65 grabs. Here's my concern with Sammy Watkins, Rick. First and foremost, let's go back to 2014 now. Rookie year, I can forgive this a little bit. For the 65 catches he had, do you have any idea how many targets he had? I'll say 90. 
Try 128. Wow. All right, and in 2015, which is what we sort of considered his breakout year, I guess, 60 grabs on 95 targets. Yeah, I'm not the, a big analytics guy, and if you listen on Thursday, you'll hear my latest hissy fit on that. Well, actually, it's an old hissy fit. I'm just bringing it back because it's July and we got a lot of air to fill. But you worry you don't have a terribly accurate quarterback. You have a very skilled wide receiver who has health concerns and catches the ball just short of 60% of the time it's thrown to him. Some of those can be attributed to the quarterback. Let's go back to that 65 out of 128. Let, let's go back to that. You can attribute some of that to quarterback play. You can't attribute it all. Now, he's not known for his drops, but does he not run good routes? You know, I don't know what it is with the guy, Rick. Those kind of numbers, here's what they tell me. He, we know he's a good wide receiver. I'd be happy to have him on my team. What those numbers tell me is he isn't the 17th best wide receiver in the league with all those question marks, which is where his ADP is right now. I agree. I mean, you know, you're getting no argument from me. I think he's overrated. I think he's going to be overdrafted. He's probably win you a couple of games. Yeah, but, he'll have some big ones. But I just don't see the huge games coming from a Tyrod Taylor. No. Great anal- great stats that you just had right there. His catch percentages, the health of that foot. There's just so too many tangibles with Sammy Watkins with the offense in general that I don't really care for yeah and it's just you know you go back to 2015 a thousand yards nine touchdowns but only on 60 grabs right and out of that 95 targets so he's big play capable right so I put him in that Brandon Cooks category which again I don't like as a very top end wide receiver too sometimes I've been in some drafts where these guys have gone as low end wide receiver ones I'm not I'm just not willing to pay that price and then you throw in the injury concerns but that that's my hang up with these foot injuries I can never let them go and it just it all comes together that I think he's going to be a really average receiver now where where he's interesting is who who else is going to catch the ball? You know, maybe Zay Jones turns out to be. I don't. I get burned Zay every Jones, year. Yeah, I don't mess with rookie wide receivers very much, though. Yeah, I did hop on Michael Thomas last year. I don't get that feeling from Zay Jones going into this offense, right? You know, you can look at the rookie going into right. going indoors into New Orleans and Drew Brees and think, all right, if a rookie's going to do it, here's where they're going to do it. I don't know if in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor's where it's going to happen. So you'd think. This hundred, if he can play, if he's healthy, this ninety-five to one hundred and twenty-eight, you know, attempts are going to come Sammy Watkins' way. But that conversion rate's going to have to be a hell of a lot better to justify where you're going to have to draft a Sammy. Yeah, Watkins. and you read a little bit of the preseason stuff on Sammy Watkins. You know, he's coming off two foot surgeries, what in the last two seasons, and Sean McDermott is still maintaining that the Bills will handle Watkins on a day-to-day basis once training camp starts. As a result, it's doubtful he will be turned loose in a full capacity right away. Instead, expect him to gradually be worked into. That tells me, I mean, the kid's 24. Yeah, if if this was his seventh year in the league, I'd say, of course. Right. That's smart. He hadn't been around long enough. He hasn't t- taken enough snaps. That This is where that does make me nervous with a guy like him. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, that's it just scares me. But, you know, all in all, I think Buffalo is going to be 
you know, like I said, challenging for second. I, you know, I mean, kind of already getting ahead of ourselves with the predictions, but I mean, it is New England's division, and yeah, they're going sixteen I mean, and zero. So. Yeah, let's face. It. I mean, their defense was in the middle of the pack last year. It was nineteenth. They didn't do a ton, but I mean, they were pretty good against the pass. And it's just Buffalo. I mean, they're going to be what seven and nine to nine and seven. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically what you're going to get out of. That's where they live, and that, that's where they're comfortable. So, yeah, and I think you know, obviously, you know, keep it fantasy. Shady's obvious. Tyrod's a good two. Sammy Watkins is really the only question mark there. I wanted to – actually, I jotted down here, Rick, and I contradicted myself in my own notes. You know, I write down, you know, Charles Clay's in, interests me at the tight end position. This is what I wrote down. Yeah. And then, unlike what I normally do, I went back and did a little research on Charles Clay. Here's what he does. He averages right around 60 catches a season, never caught more than six TDs. So – yeah, he's a low-end tight end. That's what he is. He, he's worth owning, probably a backup. Yeah, and it's hard to really condemn Charles Clay because he did play for Miami. Right. You know, throw him on some other team that uses the tight end exclusively, we may get a little different picture of him. But, but Buffalo unfortunately, isn't Buffalo, team. yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just going for, you know, to the same scenario, basically. All right. Let's go from Buffalo, head down south, take our talents to South Beach, Rick, and the Miami Dolphins. This team, I wish they were in any division but New England. This is a team, I think, on the rise, finally make the playoffs last year. And really some true, fan, interesting interesting fantasy options out there. Well, they were 10-6 and six last year, and I don't know how. They were tw- <laughs> 29th in the league in total defense. They were 30th against the run and 15th against the pass. Their passing offense was 26th. Their run offense was good at ninth with J I J E, but they're they're Ajayi. Yes, exactly, and I, I believe I pronounced him cor- correctly. Maybe you could uh, let's try it again. Okay, Ajayi. Yeah, I think I did. But they, like I said, they were ten and six. They scored seventeen less points than they had scored against them. That's almost unprecedented. You're four games over 500, and you gave up more points than you scored. Yeah. I don't know how they ended up that way. <laughs> I th- I see this team regressing. I like Jarvis Landry. I like Ijae. And there's not a whole lot more. Ijae. Yeah. Julius I, Thomas coming in is intriguing. I like Julius Thomas, but is it a big play tight end offense? No, but Tannehill. Tannehill's a key to me. Yeah, and he's... He's just a guy. He has to take a major step forward for your Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, et cetera, Julius Thomas, to make a step forward. Well, actually, that's why I'm such a fan of Jarvis Landry. I love Jarvis Landry. I don't think Tannehill's going to take that big step forward, and that benefits a guy like Jarvis Landry, right? Except touchdowns. Well, and that's where Julius Thomas is interesting to me, though. You look back, uh, what was it, Parker and, and Landry both had four TDs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the tight ends last year, Sims and Cameron, only combined for five. I was stunned, Rick, that Kenny Stills had nine. 
And we talked about that before we went on the air. I had no idea Kenny Stills had nine touchdowns. Point being, the wide receiver core they have isn't going to rack up touchdown numbers. You don't have a double-digit touchdown. And Jarvis Landry, as much as I'd love it, because then everybody would shut up if he could go out and catch 10, 10 11, 12 touchdowns. He's not going to do it. That makes things very interesting for a Julius Thomas, right? Now you have that th- passing threat down around the goal line is one thing Julius Thomas is very good at that they haven't had. You know, you didn't have that with, with Sims and with Cameron. I don't know why Cameron fell off the table like he did after right. that one big year. But so be it. I think Julius Thomas can haul in a lot of touchdowns. But absent Tannehill taking that step forward that I don't think he's going to do, then it just keep dinking and dunking to Jarvis Landry. And here we go, another 100-catch season and another 9 billion fantasy guys on Twitter going, he shouldn't have caught that man. I don't care that he did. He shouldn't have, and he stinks. So, But listen Thursday for and that. And let's throw some more darts at this, and maybe I can get you on a rant early. I, I'm saving it for Thursday, Rick. I, I see Kenny Stills supplanting Devontae Parker in the reception. Anybody telling you Devontae Parker is going to be They were within big... 12 receptions of each yeah. other last year. Kenny Stills was basically new there and still led the team in touchdowns. Kenny Stills played with Drew Brees. Right. And he made catches because he ran decent routes. He was a player in that offense. And if you're a player in the New Orleans offense, you'll spread it out. You know, the, the work gets divided out pretty equally to a lot of the receivers, and you don't mind it. Right. But I think Kenny Stills is more capable than that in an offense like this. I think he's better receiver than Devontae Parker. What he is, you're never going to look at him very deeply – in, in fantasy football, so you're not going to hear his name a lot. But what he is, and I'm pretty sure this is a compliment, Ray, is he's just a professional football player. He's right. just a pro. He does his job. He does it well. He doesn't have exceptional skills you know, to set him apart, like the elite that we talk about here in terms of fantasy football. But he's going to go out on a team that doesn't have a lot of weapons, and he's just going to be that guy. He's going to do what he has to do. He's going to end up with seven to ten touchdowns. You know, 50, 50 to 70 catches, six to 900 yards. It's just going to be a nice little season. So Jarvis Landry continues, I have to believe, to get his targets and to get up around 100 catches. Kenny Stills does what he does. I don't see where the clamoring for Parker is where he's going to take that big step forward. I don't see it. I don't either. I, I like the depth that Stills has brought. I think they have three legitimate threats. And, and, and again, it, it's not so much a, uh, a knock on Parker. I'm just not crazy about him as opposed to the other two. I think he's a solid enough receiver. But it, but it comes right down to game planning and Ryan Tannehill taking right. charge of that team and stepping up as a big-time quarterback, which he's not. He just doesn't seem like that guy. Now, if he does, that might not bode as well for Jarvis Landry if <clears> – and this is a big if because I don't know – his route running's bad, this is bad, that's bad, what everybody says. If he's so bad, why is he a whatever, a 90-catch guy, 90 to 100-catch guy, 1,000 yards every year? Yeah, what is If he's so bad. I'm saving it, Rick. You're trying to bait (laughs) me into it now. I'm saving it. Listen Thursday, you'll get my my full – Full opinion on that. Yeah, but Landry and Parker only combining for eight touchdowns. I think Julius Thomas pans out. Now, I guess here's the other thing we can talk about with the Dolphins. And my love for Ajayi. 
is no secret, not quite the man love that our buddy Scott Fish has, but I'm close. You know, I have him right at number four, so I got him ahead of the McCoys of the world, the Freemans of the world, that, that next level of running back. Here's my concern when I look at it. And you might have brought this point up when we had Scott on last week. You know, amongst the yardage he put up, he had three 200-yard games and one 100-yard game. Right. So my question is, am I going overboard and saying this is almost strictly based on eye test for me with this kid from what I saw in those games when it was rolling good for him? Is this can he level this thing out and be close to averaging a hundred yards a game with the big game sprinkled in to offset the bad games? You know, coming in at about a hundred, hundred and twenty-five yards a game, what you want your true top-tier running backs to be, or is he Doug Martin of his rookie year? Remember, we all went monkey when when he did when Doug Martin did what he did his rookie year, and you went back and look at it, and he did most of it in five games. So Jay Ajayi's kind of a similar situation. Am I going a little overboard here, I guess is the question. You were here last week, but you would hear none of it, well, I don't and neither did anything. Scott. I don't listen to anything you said. Well, exactly. Well, Now Aj- you're asking me a question. Yeah, now I want to listen. And you're wrong. I mean, well, you're right this time. Yeah, I think you are going overboard. It, look, is he a RB1? Certainly. Right. But, you know, and again, it goes back to Tannehill. If Tannehill makes a a, a leap forward and this passing game becomes a threat, you know, let's we go over these stats again very quickly. 26th in the the league in passing, ninth in the league in, in rushing. What are defenses going to be focusing on if they're still 26th or 7th in the league in passing? That's true. And that's my biggest concern with IJE. I think he has, oh, I mean, he has a ceiling like a Bell, like a Johnson, like an Elliott. Maybe not quite as high because they're not nearly on that dynamic of an offense, but and he's doesn't the, catch the ball like a like a bell. Well, nobody catches again, the ball like a bell. It's, does. This, it's the offense stuff. I mean, it's true. True. He, his ceiling is lower, but his potential, I think, is is really there with Miami. Is he number four to me? No, but he's certainly top ten. I mean, I think I have him at seven in my rankings. I have him behind Freeman simply because of PPR and the catching. Whether it's PPR or not, you're still getting the yardage and receiving that Freeman gets. I like Jordan Howard better than him. I hate Chicago, but I love Jordan Howard. Could be missing the boat on him. We'll get to that when we hit the NFC North. I mean, there's a lot of people going all in on him. A lot of guys going in on IJE. He's right there. My biggest concern is they're in the wrong division to have mediocre offenses. Right. That's true, too. And while – so basically, I'm basing this this four ranking I have on him on a couple of really good games and just the eye test, just impression, yeah. just what I get to look at. But here's what's concerning when you look at it. I, it's all right there. Here's yardage numbers. I'll go the whole season real quick. 59, 206, 51, 48, 61, 45, 77, 79, 
111, 214, 204, 42, 33, 28, 14, and 33 in the playoffs. So right. there's a very – I think he had big, nine games under 60 yards, I yeah, believe, or yeah. 70 yards, whatever it was. I remember having the stat yeah, here really, last week. Really yeah. lacking in consistency, and that does concern me. And you know, would I take a Freeman? Would I take a – Jordan Howard, to use your example of him, I probably wouldn't, but I'm starting to lean towards if I'm sitting in the IJE position, maybe I'll just draft Julio Jones and won't worry about it. It's, sort of, it's kind of where I'm <laughs> yeah. he might fall down my overall rankings. I might keep him where I have him in the running back rankings, but he might fall a little further down in my overalls. And that brings us to, <laughs> yeah. Well, that button's not working. Well, along with the Jets, it doesn't yeah. work. We'll just, we'll just give him this one. Then. We could give him this. Ooh, it looped. How about that? Yeah, and that's something. That's how bad they are. Tell me everything you we need to know fantasy wise from the Jets, Rick. Fantasy wise, I think we've already covered it. The little piles, interesting. Um. But I think we're still going to see a pretty even workload between him and Matt Forte, you know, with the passing game and so forth. This is this is Forte. I feel sorry for Matt Forte <laughs> ending a career like this. Yeah, it's uh, no um, way to go. I mean, Quincy Anuma was number one receiver. Would he intrigue you at all? Only in this regard. Sure, somebody's got to catch the That's footballs. That's my thought. How many targets is he going to get being the only professional wide receiver on that team right now? It, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you he can. He might be a guy I target. You what? can sit there and, and scoff because it's a horrible offense. I mean, but with, with an ADP of wide receiver 44 going as the last pick in the ninth round, I would jump on him in the eighth round, I think, if I've already got two two or three good wide receivers just based on I'd have to think now from what I've seen you know video clips of Hackenberg and McCown most of what I'm about to say are going to sail over his head and into the fourth row of the stands but I got to think he gets over 100 targets don't you think I mean who else are they throwing to yeah well I mean you're you're going against bad attitude Robbie Anderson and uh, yeah, take your pick. I'm going to read you some of the, the depth chart of, of their um, wide receivers. You have Sharon Peak, Chad Hansen, or Darius Stewart, Devin Street, Miles White, Frankie Hammond, Gabe Marks, KD Cannon, Marcus Wilson. Jay, I mean, yeah, all the way down to Bristley Esteem. Bristly Esteem. Now, that's a guy I I'm got sure my it's eye mispronounced. On. But I got, that's a guy I yeah. got my eye on. Right? <laughs> I mean, uh, seriously, Quincy Inunua is the guy. So here's where this team becomes interesting fantasy-wise. I think Inunua, especially at his price point, is worth it. And I'd plug him into a lot of flexes. You know what I mean? Once the injuries start coming and things, just based on attempts. I think that actually makes Powell and Forte interesting. Sure. If that defense is good enough, does. and I don't know that they still are, if that defense is good enough to keep them within 20 of a lot of teams, yeah, there's 11, no reason both these ranked guys, defense last yeah. year. And there's so, no reason both those guys won't get 18 carries a game on average. Right, yeah, you know, it might be we might see a be a Powell week and a Forte week. I don't know how it breaks down. These guys are going to touch the ball a lot because you don't want any of these dummies that you have at the quarterback position with the ball in their hands. So I think you see a ton of attempts, a ton of attempts for both of these guys. You may, probably running back threes, both of them, but they could shine week to week. These are guys. These 
those three Jets, Anunwa and the two running backs, I wouldn't mind owning any of them, especially at the price you're getting. And let's go back to Anunwa. I mean, how many years on those awful Washington Redskins teams was Pierre Garçon a nice fantasy wide receiver? Wasn't great, but you could plug him into that flex, take your 8 to 12 points, and feel good about it. Yeah, and if he scored, all the better. Right. I mean, it was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a – He'll be. I think he'll be a good, solid player. All right, so that about wraps up basically the fantasy uh, aspects of the New York Jets. What about Safarian Jenkins? Does that intrigue you at all, <sighs> assuming he's got his when head right? When was the last time a Jet tight end really intrigued you? Well, and, and I'm not – You're right. It's nothing against him. It just doesn't seem to be anything anybody wants to throw to in New York. Uh, you know, be it – it's not the game plan, be it they need them for blocking. Might it be now that you don't have a quarterback and get the ball over the line of scrimmage, I wonder? Or does he block for a Matt Forte? Possibility, a pile. too. I, I, you know. I mean, he hasn't done it yet. He can't stay out of trouble long enough. I wouldn't take it. I, there's no way that I would go on a flyer thinking okay Jenk, you know Jenkins is going to be my tight end this year. No. At worst I at I draft best, him as my two. I might. Yeah, fine. But you're talking about your number half yeah, the time so I don't what? draft a second tight end. Well, so. yeah, and I mean you're going to need him what one game out of the year. Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's upside there. It's just, we you're I'm basically grasping at straws thinking as bad as they are, right? As bad as they are, they're going to somehow average what? 17 points a game. Well, they're going to have to score. You're right. And, yeah, I mean, 17 is probably. Where is it going to come from? You know? Right. So it's got to come somewhere. So I'm just grasping here. I don't know. I know. I, I, I do like the running backs, though. I really do. I do. I, I've drafted and I like a lot of. Was. So, I mean, we like three people on that team. I've drafted a lot of Forte. I've got a lot of Forte shares in my early leagues because you're getting them so darn cheap. And in these MFL 10s, these PPR leagues, I think – yeah, you wonder if his body can hold up. Could you get more of what you saw those first three or four? Remember the first three or four games of last year? We thought, holy hell, this is. This oh, I remember like well. Yeah, and, and you thought you were going to win the championship, I did. and then boom, oh boom. yeah, just guggled right down the drain. That one's just so long. <laughs> I know it. Is, I like. It. <laughs> but uh, okay, predictions. All right. Well, I mean. <laughs> I'm going New England. Patriots are going 16 in that. I'm going Buffalo, Miami, New York. I'm going to flop Buffalo, Miami. Okay. I think Miami could win 10 again. I think there's just enough weapons there. They're playing defense a little bit better. It's just some, something was there. There was some sort of magic there. It just came together. I'm sorry, you don't accidentally win 10 games in this league. You, you, you just don't. You know, it took a bit of a – ridiculous run to get them there but you don't do it by accident and i'll just never trust buffalo until they give me a reason to trust them again right i i agree to a point but they're going to be within a game of each they had other, a 19th right? ranked defense so now that rob ryan's out of town they're probably 10th now right just by just sheer just virtue of yeah. him stepping off the property <laughs> right. You can probably get at least four spots for that. Yeah, they back up to 15 anyway, <laughs> I would say. No, I think you're right. They're probably within a game of each other. You know, pick your poison with those two. I'm just going Buffalo this year because why not? Um, I think they're a little better offense. And uh, defensively, I think they're better as well. I mean, 
yeah, they won 10 games last year, Miami. They had the 29th-ranked defense in the league, and I just don't think that a defense that is near the bottom, you you just you can't keep winning four more games and you lose yeah, if you have the worst not. defense. Pro- that, that's why I'm going not, with so. them in third. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't matter. I don't – probably not even playoff teams. I think the AFC North is going to be better – you have two playoff South teams out of there. South is going to be better. West is going to be better. You're getting one playoff team, and, and we new. know who that's going to be. Yeah, you know, at sixteen and zero, maybe fifteen and one, but they don't usually even lift the pedal off the foot off the gas at the end of the season when they got everything clinched by Halloween, which they may well this year. Exactly right. So, uh, so that wraps up the AFC East. I don't know how much time we have left. As he ran off to the okay, we have about four minutes left. I would really like, since we were talking about the AFC East, I wish I could have baited you into a rant about uh, Jarvis Landry. But I guess we'll have to wait till Thursday on that. I apologize for that. I did what I could. Yes, I was busted um, by mentioning somebody else that wasn't mentioned in a Twitter poll, but hey, those are the breaks. After that that hissy fit you had, Rick Briggs, you're busted. Check it out Thursday. That could be a new game to sweep the country. You're busted. On Asylum Fantasy Sports. I don't know how it would work, but I like it. We're going to come up with it. You're busted. You're busted. That's good. Yeah. Problem is, it would require us going back and listening to shows because what it would be is one of us says something and then directly contradicts it the next episode, which I'm certain we do eight times a week. I'm certain of it, but I can't remember anything, Rick. As soon as we turn these mics off, I forget everything I said. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you forgot forget to breathe if it wasn't involuntary. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's get out of here. Check it out Thursday. We will have uh, the. I don't, I don't want to call it a rant. If you predict a rant, it's always a letdown. But we're gonna have a discussion on Jarvis Landry and everything going on there. Uh, thank you again to the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. Get those questions, comments, queries, anything you want us to talk to on the sh- talk about on the show at Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfootball at Start gmail.com. Start getting your emails in. Yeah, and draft questions, yeah, keeper exactly. questions. We'll take them, asylumfootball at gmail.com, at asylumfootball on Twitter, and you can find all the archives, asylumfantasysports.com. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.